Welcome to the VIP Developer Roundtable, where I, your host, Ben Kilson Walters, ask our developers the big questions from the VIP community. Visit pantheonmmo.com forward slash pledge to ask yours. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right, welcome to another Developer Roundtable, guys. We have another two Visionary Realms legends with me this month. We have project producer and director of communications, Ben McCallardeen, and creative and programming producer, Chris Jopper-Perkins. Welcome, guys. Thanks, Ben Kilson-Walters. I'm a big fan. <laughs> big fan of your show. I've watched every episode. You're very welcome, sir. Thank very you. happy to be here. <laughs> it's good to have you back on, man. It's been a while. Yeah, it is. Okay, so... Let's get stuck into it. Today's content, um, the topic is production and communication. We've got a lot of fantastic questions from our VIP community off the forums. The, over the last week, we've been collecting these questions. So let's get stuck into it. Um, so Ben and Chris, you guys can just answer these in whichever order you like, but I'll start from number one and work our way down. Uh, what portion of the newsletter do you feel is the most intensive uh, to piece together just right? Just, just to clarify something, though, we can answer it in any order we want. So, can, can I give like the answer for question four here? Yeah. <laughs> mix it up. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I worded that badly. <laughs> I worded that badly. Oh, here we go. <laughs> um, so, what portion of the newsletter is the most intensive to piece together? Uh, it's a little biased of me to say this because I really only kind of work on the one piece of the newsletter, um, and that is the producer's letter. So. To me, the producer's letter is probably one of the most time intensive, but I think there might be some legs to that. I, honestly, though, um, there's a lot of work, and it really depends on what the articles are that month. But uh, last month, for instance, it, the, the producer's letter underwent some severe therapy. Um, it, it, was a, it was a good two, three days iteration of it. Um, I had written down some some core thoughts to it but it didn't really come to life until until chris perkins uh took it over and and rewrote it um so i would say that took between the two of us plus all of the edits and the coding and everything that that took a good chunk that being said you know if there's like a small video feature or something those can take a really long time too so i don't want to i don't want to diminish other people's work um because they i know they put a lot of work into their stuff too so so I don't know. I only have it from my perspective. Hey, awesome, man. Yep. It's, um, I don't need to add much to that. It's, I don't think there's a more important vehicle at the moment to get the kind of information out to the community that the, and the broader public regarding development progress and the road to alpha than the producer's letter specifically. And that's kind of the, the way we're looking at it right now is let's use this as an opportunity to bring as much clarity as possible to where we're at and where we're going. So to that end, that's going to be for Ben and I specifically where a lot of our focus is uh, from month to month and where most of our time will go with that effort. Yeah, awesome, man. Good stuff. Very important. Um, do we have any updates on potential investors? Uh, well, we are in discussions with some interested parties. Um, we're pretty optimistic about some of those. Obviously, as these things go, we can't really go into too much detail. Um, but uh, I think kind of an underscoring important part here is that we've said it before, we, we only really kind of pursue partners or potential partners that are a good match for us, where it makes sense, where people who are you know on, on the same uh, frame of mind and same goals, uh, same values. 
Um, so it's a little bit more rare to find people like that, but when we do find them, it's exciting. And we've got we've got a few things on the go right now. So the discussions on the go. Let's just put it that way. Very exciting. I love to hear it, man. Um, so what's the biggest bean you can share with us at this time? Um, I would say watch the next stream. Um, <laughs> Good ad. I think I think we're, we got a new zone going in there or something, Chris. I don't, if I'm not mistaken. We do have a new zone. And <laughs> I mean, beyond that, over the next few months, I, I just have to say this because it's so like over the next few months, you're going to see the game go through some pretty amazing transformations visually. Um, the, 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 Terrain streaming, the HDRP conversion that we're in the midst of right now, the few areas of the game that I've had the privilege of seeing in an HDRP setting, I I cannot express how excited I am for what's to come in the near future on that front. So next month will be the start of that. We'll start taking a look at yeah a, a new zone, and there'll be a really cool ride we'll be on at that point for the uh, the next few months as we unfold all that. Very exciting stuff, man. I cannot wait. Um, as we move closer to Alpha, what are your plans for increasing communications with the fans? Um, and that's also a little, gonna... little, there's an add-on here. Sorry, mate. A little add-on here oh, okay. too to say, not to say that we haven't been increasing communications. It hasn't gone unnoticed. Oh, okay. Good. So we can stop now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, we're, uh -oh. we're in a really good, I'm just kidding. We're in a good position now. Uh, we, we had, as, as you guys have noticed, we had, had Minus join us. He really filled in a really big empty spot that we needed to fill in. Um, and he came on, uh, quite strongly and, uh, and has really given us the, that, that extra manpower that we needed to. So, so that's helped out tremendously. Um, but as Chris was talking about too, the, the game is, further along than it ever has been it's it's now in a state where it's easier to share more um and as chris was saying too the next few months is about the train tech and networking so maybe less there may be fewer live sessions for a few months but we still have overall we have more to show um if that makes any sense um so yeah i guess we're just going to plan on doing more of the same um consistent content schedule uh september is going September's schedule is going out Monday, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I saw the, uh, I saw the, uh, what are they called? The prototypes, the drafts for it today. Um, and on top of everything that we are doing, we're looking at new content ideas. Uh, we have a few of them, uh, but we don't want to overload things, so we sort of want to feel things out first. You know, last month we felt went fairly well, but we want to make sure that we can dig in there and continue on at that pace before we start adding too too much. But but yeah, it's been good. Um, one of the main focuses too is that we've been driving more traffic to the newsletter and monthly stream. I think those have been really important vehicles for us. Yeah. Um, and I think that those are going to uh, continue to be the, the main vehicles is the, the newsletter and the and the monthly stream. So if you if you can only catch two things, those are the those are two things to watch out for every month. Absolutely, man. Do you have anything to add, Chris? Uh, I mean, for me personally, I'm, I, I think the only piece I would be excited to see us press more into is, um, community streaming events. So whenever we're able yeah. to get the game into the hands of real people, like non-devs, uh, 
and then share those experiences in a viewable way to the public. I think that would be the trifecta. And uh, with the networking and HDRP behind us, I think the game will will be fully and finally in a, in a state where we'll be able to start doing that. Um, you know, at least start looking at ways we can do that, um, hopefully more consistently. But that would be the only addition I'd like to see. Absolutely, man. That's something I'm seriously looking forward to as well. And jumping into people's streams as the CM and, and watching them have fun and run around and, and show our game to, you know, hundreds, thousands of people. Really exciting stuff. Just don't put GM Kill 2.0 on your bar. <laughs> no, definitely Nobody not. would be that silly to put GM Kill no, 2.0 no, no, no. on no, their no, bar. No, they, they wouldn't, would they, Ben? <laughs> Nobody would do that during a pre-alpha. Both bins in this call have done it. <laughs> Just so everyone knows, GM kill is a single target instant death for any any NPC in the game. GM kill 2.0 is an instant kill for all living NPCs within, I think, a 10,000 meter radius, which means <laughs> everything in the entire zone dies immediately at once. And so, usually lots crashes of the server. <laughs> lots of experience gain, but not so great for the server. Mm. Uh, yeah, so good job to both of you. That no, no, really nobody good. would do that. I don't see, I don't see anybody pulling that, that mistake. We we were just testing that, weren't we, Ben? <laughs> it was quite humiliating, actually. Um, I was so during the last PA session, um, I was playing with with some friends, and I needed to get rid of this mob. Um, we weren't doing that a lot. It was just. I needed to get rid of this mob. So um, I, I was looking for the GM kill command. And so we have our tools, right? We have our dev tools. And I'm like, you know, find ability GM kill. I'm like, oh, there it is. <laughs> and so I, I learned the ability. I'm like, all right, I got GM kill. And I hit it. And <laughs> boom, everything. My client crashes. The whole zone goes, you know, everything in the zone dies. My, my favorite and, part is the, the walk of shame that I get over Skype, where all of a sudden everyone's like, whoa, what happened? The server, you know, server went down. And then I get a little message like, I think that was, I think that might have been me. Private <laughs> Chris puts in, in, in one of our open communication channels, internal communication channels. He's like, just a reminder, please don't use this. So he, he's addressing everybody to this. And I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to disappear. I'm so embarrassed. I'm just like hiding behind my monitor. And I'm like, I can't, I, I got to own up to this. I'm like, uh, my bad. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was having a little chuckle behind the monitor knowing that someone else had made the same mistake I did the previous uh, one. You anymore. Yeah. <laughs> what, I, what I loved about that too is that I checked out Discord and um, some of our PA players actually knew what was going on. I forget who it was, but they were like, who just used GM to kill 2.0? I'm like, how did you know about this before? <laughs> My goodness gracious. <laughs> well. Uh. All right, so jumping back into it, what is VR's hope for new hires as things are ramping up? Have the positions that we are already posted been filled and what's next on the list in that area? Um, that's like three questions. Um, <laughs> Correct. So, <laughs> answer them all at once. Um, all right, so so Dev has their, uh, they have a list of new hires uh, that they want to, to help us get to alpha. Um, QA has given us theirs as well. Um, Tech has shared theirs as well. Um, I can't, I'm not going to go into specifics as to what those roles and hires would be. Um, 
because there's always options. So like we, we could hire them on as individual contractors or we could outsource to a studio, say for, for art or something. There's always going to be options and it really kind of depends where we are in terms of crowdfunding and all of that stuff. So there's a lot of variables in there, but we do have the list as to, as to what we're looking for. Um, but the other thing about hiring too is that it, it's, it's a process and it needs to be done at the right time. Um, like the questions that we have to ask ourselves is, is do, first, do we have work for them to do? Um, do we have time to onboard them if we're bringing somebody in? Um, do we have somebody to, to communicate with them if, if we're doing uh, outsourcing? Um, you know, can, if we're, we're bringing them in, can we get them? Do we have time to get them familiar with our internal standards, our process, processes, procedures, communications? Um, like we're, as you guys know, as most of you listening to this uh, to this podcast know, that we're, we're we're not like most studios. We work remotely. We work at, in different time zones. We have a mix of part time people and, and full time people. So it takes a lot of careful planning. So it's not not as black and white as we would want, but Yes, we do have those lists of uh, as to who uh, the type or the roles that we that we need to fill, um, and of course, funding directly affects that as well. But yeah. as for the filled stuff, we have obviously I've, I've talking uh, talking talking. That's not a word. Right? <laughs> no. I've spoken. Oh, I've, sp- <laughs> I've spoken about the uh, earlier tonight. I was talking about content creator having minus join us. That was huge. Um, Chris, you had an environment artist join us. Yes, we have. A little bit so, of info, please, mate. That's cute. That's cute. That's cute. There it is. Uh, yeah. So we a little while back we we had posted a tech artist hire position. Um, we actually opted to postpone that hire uh, because of some of the a lot of the stuff we'll be talking about next month. Actually, in regards to like the terrain development pipeline and just a lot of the tech and the tools that we've gotten in place, a lot of the initial needs we expected to have and the need for the tech artists to, to address those needs, we've actually uh, pretty, I mean, we've found solutions to just about all of those things. Um, we will eventually need a tech artist. That's part of the alpha hiring plan, but it's not, it, it, it no longer was an imminent, you know, top of the list need. Uh, so what we did is in opting to postpone that, we then instead moved to fill an additional 3D art position to, you know, continue to ramp up the world building efforts. That's why we were able to move into Wild's End immediately. And I can't wait until we can show off, you know, the work that's been done there because it's the, the progress and the speed has been amazing. Um, and, but we know exactly what positions we need to fill um, to reach alpha. We have our alpha goal. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the round table, uh, you know, a few, a few additional times we'll, we'll circle back around to that topic, but we know what positions we need. We know the order that we plan to hire those positions in to meet those goals. And right now, a lot of it on the development side of the house really is centered on the world building and the environment development efforts, um, which is just in a really solid place right now. But Ben's absolutely right in that uh, you know funding obviously plays the primary role in how many people we're able to hire and, um, you know, when we're able to do that. Um, but it also is, uh, we have to make very strategic hires because we need a certain level of expertise and familiarity with, you know, specific tools, specific workflow, the unity engine, uh, the HDRP, 
you know, new kind of pipeline that we're moving into. And um, so we, we're, we're, we're making the best, most strategic hires that we can to uh, make us as productive as possible and minimize the amount of like onboarding and acclimation churn that we have to do uh, for, for a new, a new person. So. Love yep. it, man. Are we allowed to give a name or anything? Tim Schuler, And yeah. we'll be hearing more from Tim next month. Awesome, man. Can't wait. Have to get him on the dev roundtable when he's um all settled in. Okay, so I heard a lot of people during the co-stream asking if this game would be available on Steam. Uh, I don't know the advantages and disadvantages of using a service like Steam instead of just producing and distributing the game on your own. What can you share in this area? Um, I kind of misread that question, actually, um, and now I understand it in a different way. Um, so I will give two, <laughs> two responses. Cool. Um, the response, are, are we going to do it on stream? I, the answer to that is we don't know yet. Um, as I'm sure most of you, if you don't know, probably figured, um, Steam and other platforms like that take a sizable chunk of your of your revenue. Um, that's not to say it's necessarily a bad thing because you can get exposure there where you may not have previously got, uh, received it. So, yeah. you know, you just have to know what you're getting into and decide if it's if it's worth that cost to you or, or, or not. Um, and to answer that, we, we haven't decided that yet. Um, I think a lot of it's going to depend on how we feel as we get closer to launch. Um, I, we have some pretty good metrics as to, you know, the, the, the market segment that we've reached. Um, there's always ways to, to reach more. Is it worth the I don't want to give a number because I, I could be wrong, but it, it it's fairly sizable. Is it worth the X percent that they that they cost? Um, yeah, we'll just have to figure it out closer to the to the time. Absolutely, man. Um, okay, so I need to come back. Train them if you don't like them. I think yeah. um, I think you should run with it. This person says, not me. Who said that? <laughs> I, Who I said think- that? <laughs> what a terrible thing to say. Train them if you don't like them. <laughs> Um, I think that was a direct quote from our last stream, mate. Really? <laughs> I think I'd most like of us. Words with that person. <laughs> I think most of us have followed for a while now that you have all been careful of what you say because people either take it too seriously or just completely misunderstand what was meant. Uh, what is one thing that you've said during the development of this game that you wish you could take back? Uh, and or uh, what is one thing that you can clarify that we haven't understood properly? Train them if you don't like them. <laughs> no, uh, when it comes to things that we wish we could take back, or I wish that I could take back, or or wish I hadn't said at all, um, what week are you talking about? Because <laughs> something happens every week, almost. Uh, no, that's not true, but it, it does happen fairly <laughs> yeah. frequently. It's like, yeah. um, it's it's really it's ca- kind of weird. It's and sometimes it's surreal. You 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 say something and you think it's fairly clear, but then. You know, twenty-five seconds later, somebody somebody's saying, did, "Did you mean this?" And and you're like, "How did you?" Oh, <laughs> that's I, I see how you got there. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, it, it happens a, a lot. But I think our community is pretty good at, at sort of figuring out um, when we when we flubbed. We try not to do it. Obviously, we try not to do it, but it does happen. Um, one of the biggest ones in in recent memory was at PAX East 
Uh, so I'm going to tell an another little story here. So we were at PAX East and, and Brad was on a panel. We were very excited to have him on the panel. Um, he was up there with a few other industry vets. Uh, I think Linda Carlson was up there too that year before she joined us. Um, and uh, <laughs> and he got asked a question about Alpha. And this was back in 2017, I think, 2017, 2018. And, and he said, yeah, we should be in Alpha by the end of the year. And I was just thinking, <laughs> I'm like, uh-oh. Oh no! And Basgrim was sitting next to me in in the panel too, and he turns to me and he he's like, "So Brad have said that," and I'm like, "I, I was so shocked. I was in a, <laughs> such a state of shock. I didn't know how to reply, so I just kind of I, I I said something that made it even worse. I think I think I said something like, "Something's gone off the plan. If, it, if or so, someone's got something's gone off from the plan, if we aren't, or, or something like that." Um, because what had happened is we had been talking about if all things were ideal, if we could, you know, do things the way that we wanted to do it and get to where we wanted to go. That was that was the dream, right? Anyway, so so Brad's like, oh, well, we hope to be by the end of the year, and and I'm like, oh goodness. So I had to leave um, for for other reasons. I had to go meet up, up with some some journalists uh, for for a demo, and I remember Brad coming back to the booth. And I see him coming down, and and I'm just my arms are outstretched, and my head is tilted. And I'm like, "What the heck, dude?" <laughs> and he's like, "I'm so sorry. It just kind of slipped out." And I'm like, "You know, <laughs> this is gonna be anyway." Um, I think we did rectify that. We did we did correct ourselves not too too long after that. Um, but that's it's so funny how quickly things like that can happen. Um, I think another- that wins the award for what. Like if, if we could all pull pool our powers together to collectively take back one thing <laughs> yeah. that was said historically on this project, that one probably wins the award. Hundred hundred percent, right? Could be, could be. The Bard Necro is another thing too. Um, Bard Necro. Goodness gracious! What about Bard Necro? <laughs> <laughs> it's become something of an internal joke between CP and I because, all right. So the the Bard and the Necro. <laughs> uh huh. The, the, we have the, design, the, the design for them. Yeah. The design is good. The design is done, and the implement, implementation is promising. <laughs> but the bar and the necro uh-huh. technically aren't on the roadmap right now. So anytime CP gets asked about the bar and necro, he starts word. talking about the bar and necro, and I'm like, dude. And then he comes back <laughs> at me, and he's like, dude. No, yeah, as you can as you can see today, <laughs> bar and oh, necro. It. man, man, so good. I just, <laughs> I just, I'll just say, listen to the things I've said. <laughs> <laughs> it's a part of that on the roadmap. Let me just such that. a diplomatic answer. I love it. <laughs> you know, for me, um, for me, I, I'm I'm anticipating someone to come like along and prove me wrong in what I'm about to say because uh, I, I don't remember all the things that I've said. Um, but I can't, I'm thinking about this question. I don't think I've been able to land on anything that I can actually say I regret saying. And I, I just can't think of anything that I've regretted saying. The things that have made me come close are the moments that I've been like pretty candid and publicly about the state the game was in leading up to the decision to go with a major refactor. Um, which we did, you know, a, f- a few years ago. Um, and my expectations, specifically where things would have ended up, had 
for Pantheon had we not made those hard decisions. That's that's probably the closest I've come to regretting something because it's 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 a very difficult thing to be on this side of the table and to be so clear of the storm that we're about to have to sail through because it's it's a storm like this project has been very stormy and we've uh you know what been just mentioned about the alpha statement like that that has that set off a series of like expectations and um, some scrambling and some some kind it, it it was the exactly wrong way to set ourselves up for what was on the soon horizon, which is we actually have to go in and majorly refactor a significant portion of, of everything that this game is built on right now to make sure that it's actually on its way to being a viable product. Um, and yep. those, those kinds of things, when you see that, you know where the harbor is that you're, you're going to, but you know what you have to sail through to get there. And you know what the perspective and the perception from the public who do not have all of the internal, you know, understanding of, of why and when and how and where, and all the things that lead into decisions like that. Um, it's difficult to know how to manage sometimes the, uh, the burden of feeling like I want to answer these questions. Like I want to speak to these things that are causing so much turmoil and, and concern in, in people um, to bolster their confidence and to, you know, make sure they understand like that there's very important reasons going into the decisions that are being made. And it's one of those things where you have to just really come to a place of peace, knowing that time is going to tell all. And uh, that's been just kind of my motto for a while is the the best way to get to where we need to get to go ahead to be, to stay heads down and focused on getting there because time will tell all. Time is going to make clear that we're either on track and doing the things that we are saying we're, we're doing and making the progress that we're making or, or it's not. And, uh, so that's been the wrestle is looking back on some of those statements and being like, you know, I, if, if time's going to make these things clear, did I, did I really need to, but, I, but I don't regret, I mean, I don't regret making those statements because I think if anything, it's helped to kind of build a bridge between the community and the public at large to who we are and where we are and that we're not tone deaf and blind to the, the, you know, legitimate concerns that have been there and still linger in some. Um, yeah. So, and yeah, that's, that's absolutely. My- no, well said, man. That's absolutely right. Um, so yeah, sure. well, moving on, what lessons have been learned lately about content and information delivery? Any notable successes or failures? Um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, we're uh, we're going through a lot of the suggestions that that have been brought up over over the years, and and uh, a lot of those are, are working out well. Uh, now that we have more resources, like I was talking about earlier as well, uh, we're able to action a lot of these we that we weren't necessarily able to do before, and they've been largely successful. Um, so big thanks to to all of our community for that. Um, obviously, there's still improvements to make, particularly around the website um, pledging. There's some bumpy areas, some missing information on the website, um, some other things working to get those resolved as well. Yeah, cool, man. Good stuff. Um, so any news regarding the website being updated? 
Yeah. Um, so we're we realize that we still have improvements to make, particularly there on the website and the pledge. And wait a second, that's not no. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. The, the uh, <laughs> so yeah, there is stuff being added. Um, Dave just finished. Well, I shouldn't say just. He he finished off the uh, the design for lore section. So he handed off handed off the artwork to me now. So I'm working. Or I'm looking into coding it now. In between his um, corpse runs, he got something done. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's <laughs> uh, a lot of pictures of him. It's weird. But, um, <laughs> uh, on the website too, we've done internal audits. I mean, we've gone over it with uh, marketing and PR. Chris Rowan has gone over it and made some suggestions there. You guys, uh, our community has made some, some suggestions. I have a list. Uh, Adam Estelle made made a, a very comprehensive analysis of his thoughts. Um, other people in the company, they've they've all weighed in. So we've got lots of great suggestions. Um, it's just going to come down to time to implement it. Um, so we're we're as some of you know, the coding right now is done mainly by myself. Uh, Chris Rowan also helps out too. He does he does a lot of the more technical stuff, I guess. Um, but with the new hires that we just got, it opens up time for everybody a little bit more as well, too. So, so I don't know, more stuff coming. More, the, the closest thing being the lore section. Yeah, awesome, man. Um, so back on the topic of alpha, this producer's letter was jam-packed with developmental progress towards alpha. What tidbits can you share with us at this time, um, time frame for when alpha could be? Uh, well, it won't be this year. Um, I know that some of you, um, some of our community had, and, and fans had been hoping and, and thinking that we we're that, that yeah. it was going to be this year. Um, very, very wishful not. thinking. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't very wishful thinking, but I understand where it came from because a few months ago, um, Chris Rowan did the VIP roundtable with you and, and he mentioned yeah, you know, January. If, if all things being equal, if we got the funding that we were hoping to get, all that stuff, you know, we, we were hoping to yeah. get it done by by the year but that you know the year has happened since then <laughs> no and we worked we worked so, hard towards that too it's not that yeah, we didn't, didn't yeah. try no and again you know you're limited by what you have so we work with what, what we have um particularly with finances or whatever um we're still moving forward but anyway yeah it, it won't be this year again uh, I'll, I'll just say that right now we do have an internal date uh not as you guys are well familiar with we're, we're not ready to share that until we're 100 certain that we can hit it um so just keep an eye on the producer's letters for updates. I think that's really kind of your best way to to sort of figure out when it's coming uh, because we'll, we'll be giving you a regular indication of what's been done and what's still left to do. So, Yeah, that's I think that's the most responsible answer we can give is just watch the progress from month to month via the producer's yeah. letter and it'll give you the best idea of our velocity. Absolutely. So make sure you subscribe so you get it. Um, so how hard was the decision to hold off on developing the Ranger and Summoner further um, before jumping into the URP and network stack, Chris? Mm, uh, I think, I mean, this really, I would say this is one of those sorry, not sorry kind of decisions in a way. Like ultimately it was an easy call to make and I'll try to explain why. Um, obviously love each of our classes can't wait till they're fully in brought fully to life. I mean, it's, it is absolutely the lifeblood uh, in so many ways, but realizing how heavily we would be relying on networking performance to bring certain key aspects of each of those classes fully online into scale. 
meaning fully online, fully implemented, and then to scale with typically in our pre-alpha sessions, when we bring new classes online, how many testers are making and playing those classes. Um, it was just the right call on every front to dive straight into this terrain asset streaming networking push, because not only is it going to allow for supporting everything we want to eventually do with those classes and all classes and NPCs and content as a whole, but it heralds in also this incredible transformation of the game's art. It's going to finally allow us to move out of the perpetual gray box state into these stunningly beautiful environments. I mean, I'm a little bit excited if you can't tell. Absolutely. Um, And so it's, it's just, and it's, and it's a, it, it also made sense from a development sense because for example, I spent several days last week last week playing the cleric. So the cleric is so fully implemented into the game already that I mean it's it's a functional class and I'm having an absolute blast. Oh, Same for the warrior. So we've been able to, you know, basically take uh the time that and this is what we plan to do anyway. We had we had desired to finish the Ranger and the Summoner before moving into this stuff, knowing that we would have a lot of runway to bring other classes, you know, further along. Um, we, we didn't get to finish the Ranger and the Summoner first. So those will be what we immediately move into after the networking is finished, but we're also able to bring the cleric, the warrior and the paladin very far forward and have them ready, you know, hopefully for testing somewhat soon. Um, so we're not, in other words, we're, we're staying productive. Um, we're still keeping that that front moving forward. So at, at the awesome. end of the day, though, the day will come when all classes are in. And I think as hard as the wait is, um, our, our VIP community will absolutely appreciate these classes being able to come in and be fully online. That's, that's kind of a vestige of the past that we want to move away from. And, you know, prior PA sessions years and years ago, we, you know, we would have classes that were 20% functional, maybe 50% functional at best. And it's, you know, it's nice to have your class in there, but it's, it's really quickly becomes an exercise in frustration and disappointment when it's like, you might as well have just waited until it was fully ready to go. So I know the wait's hard, but it's going to be worth it. Absolutely, mate. Good answer. Um, Okay. So we've answered a couple of these next questions already in our previous one. So we'll skip down to a question for myself. Uh, being the CM and the voice of the community to the devs, how has this communication helped with the v- development of Pantheon? <clears throat> As I stumble over my words reading a communication question, that's awesome. It's good like start. you're not used to having a conversation with yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, good start. Um, <laughs> so communication is huge for me. I came from the risk management industry from like 20 years at, a, at, a, at like an executive level. Um and communication was critical in day-to-day work and, and life and that. So I believe it's important to get information out to the community when we are in a position to do so. Um, I also think it's equally important to not just communicate for the sake of it. And when we don't have anything of value to say or share, um, to just concentrate on our work and, you know, heads down, bums up and, and get stuck into it. But yeah, communication is, is huge. And, and I believe it goes both ways. You know, if the dev team is, is blind to what you guys are saying and thinking, then 
you know, I need to make sure that I'm on top of that and have my fingers as many pies as possible so I can get a, a you know, feel on the pulse of, of the community in, in all different aspects of, um, you know, social media and, and official platforms and, and non-official platforms. So if there's an issue, I, I can gather all of that information and go to the, you know, appropriate developer or, or department and say, hey, look, this is what's going on. How can we, you know, fix it? How can we help? What can we do? Um, so, yeah, I think it's very, very important. Um, so moving on, a question for Ben. Excited to see is Ben excited to see Paladin's Wrath and Reckoning points implemented? Mm. So <laughs> the Paladin hasn't been in for quite some time, so nobody's really been able to play it for quite some time. But this week, coincidentally, <laughs> um, it was brought up in one of the earlier calls this week that it's being worked on. The Paladin's being worked on uh, again. So I kind of giggled like a schoolgirl. I'm <laughs> um, pretty excited to see it come back in. Anxious to try it out again. It'll be fun. Absolutely, man. I love it. Apparently, Ben doesn't know that Wrath and Reckoning points are already implemented. So, Ooh. we. <laughs> oh, was that the question? Was it on Wrath and Reckoning points specifically? I guess it was. Yeah. I just answered it about the Paladin. Oh, man. Excited to see the Paladin and the points as well. Yeah. Um. So, back in the early days, one thing that VR espoused was that every class within an archetype would perform its primary function equally well via different methods or means. Is that still something VR holds true? Um, and if not, why not? Chris? No, it's absolutely something we still hold true. Um, it's, I mean, it's a constant consideration in the design and balance of the game. Uh, it's one of the ingredients uh, that make up the, I guess, the rubric, if you will, of, of what we're holding classes up against as we observe their implementation and, and their performance and testing. Uh, so absolutely. Uh, what, what I do want to be clear on though, is that this does not mean that certain classes within a role or archetype won't have certain advantages, won't have certain special advantages in certain situations. Um, I, I like to use the example of paladins tanking undead enemies versus a warrior or versus a dire Lord. Uh, Paladins would absolutely have an edge in that situation because paladins are are built with, you know, versus undeath uh, in mind as part of their kit. So you would see a natural edge that a paladin would have in a situation like that. But that doesn't mean a warrior or dire lord would not be fully capable of taking the same encounter. All things being equal with player skill, gear, etc. It also doesn't mean that there won't be other encounters that a warrior or a dire lord might be, you know, more. Uh, have more of an edge uh, in as well. So yes, it is still holds true and still fundamentally a part of how we approach the game. Good stuff, man. Uh, can you describe the primary function of the priest archetype and explain the different methods um, in which would allow each to perform that primary function equally well? You did touch on that just then, but anything specific for the priest archetype? Well, yeah. So, well, for the priests and specifically, the, the, their primary function is to support their groups through healing primarily and uh, through buffing and various detrimental utility um, um, or beneficial utility. So uh, think of priests contributing to the defensive economy of the fight of the group through detrimental utility like slows, resistance debuffs, um, things of that nature, and uh, contributing to the offensive economy of a fight or the, you know, kind of the beneficial uh, support of their group through things like hastes, various regen mechanics, short, long, tr long form transportation, um, 
different things like that. So the the primary role of the priest in Pantheon is is a healer. They are a a healer focused archetype. Um, but there are, are different ways that you're definitely going to see a difference in the play style between the three priests in terms of the types of healing and defensive abilities that they have. So the cleric, for example, is a very, very on the nose, forthright, direct healer. Um, they're, they are extremely defensive in nature themselves with their plate mail and their shields. Shields and Pantheon, by the way, are going to be a massive, massive AC boost Um I can't, I, I can't wait till we can talk more about shields because they, I, I love shields personally. <laughs> and I think they're super, I think there's so much opportunity to make them really cool in these games and much more of an active part of everything um, that shield users do. But uh, nice. they're very defensive in and of themselves and their their healing approach is, is very direct. And um, whereas you get into the shaman and you have, this entire banquet of offensive abilities, um, crippling detrimental effects, which our VIP testers are aware of this, but it's something that's actually really on the forefront of our minds right now. Um, I just had, I think, a four-hour-long meeting today specifically on the topic of debuffs and uh, just how where they're currently at, where we want them to be, ways to improve them. Um, it's a lot. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole here but um yes the 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 primary role is healing the way they go about doing that um you're going to see some really meaningful and flavorful differences between the three but going back to the previous point um the goal is that all three of them would be equally viable uh, all things being equal player skill gear everything all of those things that they would be equal equally viable in healing their groups um regardless of the encounter good stuff man thank you and all right, so moving on, uh, do you associate, I think this is for all of us, do you associate professionally and socially with people in the game development business? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I think Chris does too. Um, mm-hmm. I've been in the industry in one way or another for about 14 years now, so I've got got a fairly wide net of uh, nice variety of friends and, and associates in the industry. Um Particularly when we were, we were starting, looked to them a lot for for advice and that sort of thing. Consultations still do on occasion from from time to time. Now um, they're really good at offering support. There's a lot of people out there in the game video game industry that are, that are rooting for us as a as a company as a game. So that's that's encouraging. But yeah, short answer is yeah. Yeah, same. I I think I'm coming up on eight years for me, and not counting my relationship with Brad and the several others by extension through him. Um, I've had the privilege to meet many current inspiring game designers, artists, composers, programmers all across mm-hmm. the gamut. The, most recently, I've had the privilege of, of getting to know and developing a friendship with Sean Lord. He's a former EverQuest developer. He's he's just been a real genuine support to me, uh, kind of a mentor of sorts, and just a genuinely great guy to spend time with. Which, by the way, if you are listening to this, Sean, I'll be reaching out soon because it's been too long. Um, but yeah, it's it's been it's it's a really interesting dynamic, and I, I sometimes I wonder, you know, what what would things be like on this front if we were less remote? Um, also, you're looking at you know the COVID world right now, where you know a lot of where these networkings and connections happen are you know through things like conventions or you know different gatherings that we're just not 
is able to do anymore. So I'm, I'm hoping for the day where that process of being able to meet and get to know more people in the industry can can continue for full bore. Yeah, perfect, man. And myself included, like I, I can't obviously from Australia do that, but I do digitally like have, you know, online uh, networking with other CMs and, and people in the industry that, you know, from EverQuest and Vanguard and, and, and yeah, games like that. So it's kind of good. Um, I just, I really can't wait until I can come over to America and visit and meet you guys in person. And, you know, I'm coming up to seven years in January and I haven't even got to shake in one of your hands or shake one of your hands or, or have a beer with you or something like that. So I, <laughs> yeah. I cannot right. wait to come over and You're see you. You're going to be surprised yeah. when you find out that we're just a bunch of computers. <laughs> yes. I can't tell you the amount of how many times my faceplate has fallen open and all the circuitry just. I know. You know. <laughs> I just walk into an office full of um, computers and <laughs> servers. <laughs> Welcome, Kilson. <laughs> Prepare right. to be assimilated. <laughs> so I'll just have to reprogram for a, a rise and a different title. So if we go to the next question. Do you find it hard or easy to manage what you know um, with what you hear? So this is from business, the community, from the team. Um, they're kind of asking, like, how do you deal with trolls or even people that look slightly like trolls? So I think it's that separation yeah. of real from, you know, fiction and mucking around. Do you find it hard yeah. or easy to manage? It, it varies, I would say. Um, I mean, sometimes trolls are pretty obvious. Sometimes they're not so obvious. Um, I'm going to go on a little diatribe about trolls because trolls really bug me for for specific reasons. Um, the, to me, they're like the vandals of the internet. Um, a lot of these trolls just take joy in making life hard on others when there's actually no monetary or physical gain for them in doing such. Yeah, good. Point. So it's 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 a waste of resources. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of money from a company that doesn't have much of any of those things to begin with. So it really bothers me. <laughs> that being said, um, the the other thing that really bothers me is when it's taken personally, um, because we've got a team who works incredibly passionately, uh, especially at this company. No one's getting rich from this job, and it's just a lot of passion. Everybody here is largely here due to their passion. Yeah. So it's really hard to watch when someone comes in and just poops all over that just to for whatever reason yeah exactly um that being said there is a difference between active trolling and constructive criticism um and sometimes that can be hard to delineate it really depends on the delivery and all of that stuff but but if you can take a step back and really read the question and try and understand is it is it a troll like comment um if we could if we can if we ask ourselves a question i guess why are they posting this if the answer is clearly just to get a rise then it's obviously a, very clearly a troll but if it but if it's kind of a question that may be uncomfortable that doesn't necessarily mean they're a troll it, it means they're asking a question so trying to sort of pick those out and and then digging a little bit deeper and, and asking ourselves why are they asking this question is it well let's just give it give an example if someone says for instance the the combat sucks and they're not exactly indicating why it sucks they're just saying it sucks so yeah. it could be it could be maybe they feel that the animations are are off or that the sound is off or the ui doesn't connect with it 
well, um, but but they're just basically saying combat sucks. It might not be that combat itself sucks. It might be that it doesn't have the extra levels of polish or there's something missing. So trying to pull out that important information from those comments is essential. And I think it's very healthy um, yeah. and it helps us grow. So, so yeah, it's, it, you don't want to write everybody off. If somebody says a bad comment about the game, it's not necessarily that they're a troll. Like, they might just have trouble communicating too. Like not everyone yeah. is great at expressing what they think. So when they say it sucks, yeah. and maybe because it's missing a small element that they're used to or that they like and they don't understand the actual implementation. So yeah, you're, you're spot on. I think it's incredibly helpful. I'm going to try to keep this to a short diatribe, but people <laughs> people are much more honest in, in many cases online than they would be in person. If I'm If I'm standing next to someone playing Pantheon and they're, playing the game and I'm looking at them like, you know, nodding my head, waiting for what do you think, then they're going to be much less likely to look me in the eye and say, this absolutely sucks. Then they would be to say, well, you know, it's pretty, they'd, they'd, they'd kind of, yeah. you know, hold back a little bit. Whereas online they watch it and they're like, they're just going to, with, you know, impunity say that I don't like this. I don't like that. And so it, yeah. it is very helpful to mine people's comments for those types of things where I struggle is is and I don't I don't consider that trolling by any means. I mean that's criticism. That's you know people have different opinions. Some people like things, other people don't. So what I what I would consider trolling are people who whose uh, motive is to actually generate narratives about um, the the about specific things. Like let me let me make a comment that is actually insinuating or kind of building a narrative around what's really going on here. And that narrative is, you know, kind of trying to paint things in a, a certain light that's negative or that's suspicious or that's, you know, uh, distrustful or whatever it may be. Th- that's what I consider trolling because that's essentially, you know, you think of like the schoolyard where, you know, a couple of kids get together and like, here, let me tell you, you know, something about this, that guy over there. And what starts is like, just, you know, I'm bothered by something or I, there's, for some reason I've gotten kind of, un, you know, uh, frustrated or upset about something. I'm going to start making narratives about something that, you know, isn't actually true or isn't the case. Now, the process that I have to go through mentally is to, to remind myself, number one, of our development history. It's been a long road. There's been a lot of mistakes that we've made that we have a need to continue to own up to and just look square in the eye and say, yeah, we, we, we missed that. We we failed here. We really should have done this instead of doing that. That's all very true and very real, and we can we can talk about that. Um, but I I don't I don't I I will be so open. And I'm so open to criticism and appreciate it. It's a big part of the internal culture of of the team where it, it's understood. Everyone who works here that we are going to look at things with eyes open. We're going to yeah. value and and search out criticism and feedback that, you know, runs things through a sieve and really looks at it carefully. Um, but I don't like to see narratives being built uh, around perception. Um, we can talk about failures. We can talk about genuine criticism and things that can be done better. Um, but this also falls back into that same place of, you know, the the way that I process that stuff and, and I'm able to move on from it is number one something I learned with teaching, uh, especially teaching high school, is that there's respecting people goes a long way. Even if you disagree with them, um, even if they're saying something that's harsh or critical, uh, 
giving them the respect to know that you 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 actually respect and appreciate where they're coming from goes a really really long way um and it's and it's it's right it's good uh and there's so there's that piece of it and but then it's also remembering that time like i said earlier like time is going to tell and prove these things true or untrue so it just comes down to how much energy do i want to invest in trying to do something with words that pales in comparison to the eventual reality of what's going to happen when time makes these things clear. So I'll leave it at that. Awesome, man. Yeah, really well said, both of you. It's fantastic. All right, so moving on to something slightly different. Um, so for each of us, what race and character will be your main at launch? Uh, probably Dwarf Paladin, which I'm sure nobody's surprised to hear, but I, I like the RK, and I might play a monk. Ooh, how about you? What are, the, what are the RK, Ben? RK. The RK? <laughs> <laughs> I let that one uh, slide, too, and <laughs> he's still cool. I know. I, I heard it coming out, and I'm like, oh, goodness gracious. It's like the Dark Mirror. Dark Mirror. Dark yeah. I don't think you'll be able to play Pantheon in the arcades, but um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I cleric is is my traditional class. I am so excited for a plate wearing healer class again that I I just think that's going to be what it is as far as race. It's it's going to be really close between a human and a dwarf. Um I I really like both. Uh but my goodness, there are so many classes that are tugging on me that I'm and it's my job to play them all, right? So I'm, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play them all. Good stuff, man. Uh, I typically go. Like, I always have a healer, but um, uh, as a backup or a second main. So I, whatever class or basically whatever race complements that class. So for a rogue, I'm looking at like a human or a, a, a halfling, and for a, a probably a cleric, I typically go shaman over clerics. But uh, yeah, whatever, whatever will best suit them. But I'm having trouble, like. I also play CC, like Sionicist was my main for, for years in, in Vanguard. So I like the um, summoner and, and yeah, anything that's crowd control, a little bit of skill involved to help the group out, I like too. So it'd be a tough choice. Probably do one of each. Um, so how often are bean drops planned, if at all? That's an interesting question. Seven. <laughs> Isn't the answer 42? I, no, yeah, I'd, say, I'd say around 90%. 90% of the time they're planned. 10% of the time it's about Bards and Necros. Yeah. 90% of the time they're planned unless it involves me and then, <laughs> and then there's a different That's a whoops. Well, we supposed <laughs> yeah. to say that? <laughs> and, then, and, then it's, and then it's panic. Oh, great. What did Chris do now? No, I'm just kidding. It's, <laughs> It's it's a re- that, that's a great term. I like DM Harms' term. It retroactively planned. That should, that needs to be kind of a new, yeah. a new term that we use. <laughs> I love it. Well, it was retroactively planned, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, in your mind, what parts of the current pipeline improvements have been have impressed you the most, um, and which ones do you think need the most TLC currently, Chris? Hands down, the current developments being done on the terrain streaming, the asset streaming, the world building side of things, everything from like the art creation and implementation process to the speed of iteration, what I call the, the engine to experience turnaround time. It's, it's absolutely mind blowing. Um, just had a call last night. Our, um, 
terrain, our, our world design and world development uh, meeting that we have every Thursday night. And um, uh, our senior programmer, Robert Crane, was in there. And he and Kyle are work, both working like really tightly in tandem um, on that whole front. And some of the things that he was sharing with me last night, I mean, literally, it, it just blew my mind. Like, I, I didn't really know what to say because it, it's not only the result that's so amazing, um, but it's it's the way that the actual process is going to improve the the speed with which we can build zones and and make changes in the Unity engine and then see it reflected in a build. I mean, we're talking like like ten minute turnaround time, um, which is insane. But it, it's hard, it's hard to even encapsulate how insane that is, unless you know that in the past on this very project in the past we've looked at having builds like there was a there was a, a long period of time where we would have a new development build once every week or two to look at things. Now we do builds, we're probably averaging about 10 to 12 builds a day. And the turnaround time, the, the thing that still takes the longest for us is making scene changes. Uh, when we work on like Wilds in, for example, and we go and we want to place some things down, uh, and then, you know, commit that and roll out a build to get in there and look at it, that still takes the longest. And that's like an hour turnaround time at the most. We're, we're going to be cutting that down to 10 minutes, like almost like in the same yeah, span of, of a sit down thought, like I'm moving from working in the engine to working in the actual build, not to mention the offline player developments that are going to allow us to actually so much more in depth run around in and play the game quote unquote inside of unity itself to do a lot of our scale um, measuring and distance measuring and, you know, um, just get boots on the ground before it even moves to the client. Um, plus the HDRP pipeline improvements. Uh, I mean, I, I just, it, it's, I'm still kind of processing like how, dramatically um the, the the steps forward that we're about to make um so i will That's leave it great, man. good stuff absolutely love it um so moving on we've only got a couple more questions we're just hitting on the um one hour mark so we'll wrap up these last couple um as quick as we can um so can you please verify what the difference is between your two titles so which is interesting as well. Project producer versus creative and programming producer. So as project producer, uh, I take, I look more at the big picture stuff, um, sort of the, the company, the project, um, corporate needs, that sort of thing. So I focus more on things like getting the departments together to plan out pre-alphas, um, timing of promotions, and so on. I'm not typically involved with much of the day-to-day -day design and development, as my pronunciation of Archive would attest. Um, but uh, yeah, that's kind of what I do as project producer. Oh, you said Archive. You weren't talking about the arcades. Right. <laughs> no, I right. know. Right. I, I, I think I, I think of a like creative and programming producer, to me, I, I just kind of think of it as development producer, in a sense. I mean, mm -hmm. technically, that's 
maybe a different title in certain companies or, or whatever, but that's essentially what it is. Uh, creative and programming producer almost feels a little too specific, but but it's essentially the development side of the house, um, the programming and the creative efforts in their totality and how they, you know, coalesce, are managed, are scheduled. And, it, it, you know, as, as a creative director, my, my primary responsibility is to oversee the design direction of the game. How, how are all of the aspects of the game's content supporting that design direction and bringing it to life. It all, and it means that I sometimes have to make the hard calls of, you know, we, this is what stays, this is what goes uh, design wise or gameplay wise. This is what we need to hold off on. These are the things we need to change or tweak because it's not working out the way we'd hope, whatever. As, pro, as the, the producer side of things, the development producer, it's making sure that all of the programming creative efforts are clearly laid out. So people know what they're doing they know how to do it. They know why we're doing it the way that we're doing it. I think that's an important piece of the puzzle as well. And then it's making sure that each week everyone has a clear sense of what they need to be doing for that week, making sure the overall vision of where we're going stays fresh in people's minds, clear in people's minds. And and then there's an element of like what what Ben is is so helpful to me specifically with is being that kind of touch point and liaison between the larger business development needs and, you know, do we have, he's pretty instrumental in working with, you know, setting up uh, demos with, you know, potential partners or people who are interested in seeing the game. He does a lot of like cross team communication. So where I'm focused on programming and creative, Ben is, you know, much more consistently in touch with like the tech team and the QA side and different things. And, And it's, it's necessary because obviously there is so much going on on the development side of things that it it's there needs to be, you know, mm-hmm. a, a production role that is able to kind of oversee those other elements, uh, as he was saying, more from that kind of broad level vantage. So it's, it's a cool, it's a really cool relationship. I mean, I think just looking at the last producer's letter, I, I think it's clear and hopefully is clear that there's a really good and important synergy that we, we bring when we are, we come together and can kind of bring those development perspectives and the, you know, the overall project kind of perspectives to, to bear. So it's, it's really cool. Yeah. Well, it's particularly cool, cool too, that that I'm just going to throw this in and burn more of our time, but it's particularly (laughs) cool too, uh, (laughs) that that, uh, I just really enjoy working with Chris as well. Um, I think over the years we've, we've gained a certain rapport, um, I think we just work work well together, and I think that's really important, especially mm-hmm. on a, a small team like ours. So we're pretty fortunate that way. Yeah, oh, I would totally, I, totally agree. You too. All right. So speaking of the producers' letter, there is a section reviewing the roadmap to alpha progress, and there are some bullet points in various stages, like to do list and design complete and in progress. Can you go over what those various stages mean, Chris? Yeah, I'll. I, as briefly I think, as, as you kind of can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> there. there was no, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I want to clear this terminology up for next month's letter. So expect it to be a little bit more clear. But essentially, to do means that it is in some form of waiting for a final approval or a ratification in which it will go into a design complete status, meaning it is. It is approved. It's ratified. It's it's holistic in terms of what is needed for implementation to happen. Meaning that programming, especially, understands and has been consulted and has been able to feed into you know 
the viability and kind of the the smoke test and and the sanity test sanity check um, once it's in design complete then it is kind of awaiting the you know in progress or the be, being implemented and when something is in progress that means that it has uh, begun being implemented into the game according to the design um, or the tech you know sheet that's that's informing it uh, and then obviously when something's complete that means that it is in the game as intended um, the tricky thing about project management and and why these projects are are so difficult that they're just such a crazy beast of like you know something to wrangle and and wrap your mind around and why you see game companies just on the whole everywhere delaying or you know having to push back or missing deadlines and things like that is because with i mean you're talking about you're talking about unless you've made a game before and you're working on like a follow-up ip and you and so you already have a very very clear sense of what works and what doesn't and what you want to do based on that previous experience when you're creating a game like Pantheon where some of those things are are carry carryovers and we know just from MMOs in general general how we kind of want to shape this or do that but when you start incorporating fresh like kind of edges or ideas or or ways of doing things or evolving things uh there's always the process of designing and, you know, um, getting c- collaboration and input and kind of rolling something around and ratifying a design and getting it in the game. And until you actually play it and experience it in the context that it's meant to be experienced in, you often do not see everything that you, you could have seen on the front end. And so when something is complete, that means that it has been uh, implemented according to its ratified design but it's also with the under, understanding that more often than not, there are going to be iterative cycles on um, things that become apparent over time, sometimes immediately, but sometimes over time of how something is not quite what it should be or certain things need to be tweaked uh, and and so forth. So for next, again, for next month, we'll clear up the terminology a little bit, make it a little bit more clear what stage it's in and what that means. Um, and hopefully it'll be a little bit easier to understand. That's great, man. Good stuff. Good, well, well explained as well. Um, so, last question um, for both of you: How will the LFG tool, looking for group tool, foster communication as opposed to just jamming people in groups together? So, the um, I'm not going to talk too much about about it because we're not we haven't started implementation, and it's always a bad idea to start talking about stuff that hasn't been implemented. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. anything I'm about to say, keep in mind, is the design only right now. And it's a current design. It's without testing it, without trying it. Without Which, all by the way, everybody, this this is something that Ben has designed. So I think we think we just need to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's couching it so much. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Or, or it's so bad that Chris is like, by the way, um, <laughs> I had nothing to do with this. <laughs> just Hands know. Up. He's backing away slowly. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's, so the the current design as it stands is uh, it's just to give more tools. Um, so it, it, it's to give an abundance of optional data uh, to include or exclude, whether you're searching for a group or searching for a group member. Uh, it has a lot of fields and options that 
you don't normally see in MMOs. Um, I haven't anyway. Um, so with this current design, you can be more selective than in almost any game that I've seen, or, or as broad and as random as you want. So it kind of covers the whole spectrum. Um, in terms of communicating, there's it's a small thing, but there's even in the design anyway. There's there's even a little button to click to to open up a dialogue of the of the person that you're or one of the people that you're currently considering. So that means if someone ticked a unique box that said for an awesome source rogue, <clears throat> then it'd send an invite to Kilson, and then I'd come and use GM 2.0 through a dungeon, and we'd just yeah. go and win. Easy yeah. win button. Yeah, you can set that as a requirement. Must have GM kill 2.0. <laughs> Love it. Good stuff. In all seriousness, it, it's a cool design. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, I've read it and kind of processed it pretty deeply, and it's really cool. I, I think it is a a very natural and exciting progression and kind of evolution of the looking for group tool that, that doesn't compromise our, our convictions on, you know, meaningful travel and um, socializing and, you know, trying to maintain the size and the feel of the, the gravitas of the game world. Um, but it, it facilitates such a nice, uh, you know, much more tailored experience of finding the person that you're looking for or uh, marketing yourself more specifically um, to, you know, what you're interested in and what you bring to the table. So I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it's a good design. Awesome, guys. Well, I think that's a good spot to wrap it up. So I want to say thank you very much to, um, for taking the time to come on. Thank you to all the community members that stayed up late and listened on the one hand from work and, and joined in on the chat. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to seeing you guys next month. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, folks. That's a wrap for another VIP Developer Roundtable. I hope you all enjoyed it. And please don't forget to subscribe to Pantheon for more. If you want to get in on the live Developer Roundtables, you can by pledging as a VIP at pantheonmmo.com forward slash pledge. Until next time, farewell.